In the early 18th century, um, a young Austrian man who'd been born into uh, the ruling nobility of that, of that nation had an encounter with Jesus. And so radically changed was he that he began uh, shortly after that to uh, welcome to his estate uh, people that were fleeing persecution from other parts of the country. And eventually he had, he had land actually in Germany, the eastern part of what we now, we now know as Germany. It was called something different then. And so uh, people started coming there who were trying to escape from persecution, which was quite common in those days for Christian people. And so uh, as they began uh, praying and worshipping together, uh, the Holy Spirit began to move quite powerfully amongst that group, particularly amongst children, actually. And they started to see miracles happen. And there was, you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit happening and waves of, of uh, revival actually happening in that in that group, they call themselves Moravians, and uh, uh, God was moving powerfully. This was, a, this was hundreds of years before, you know, the, the Pentecostal outpouring that we know of in 1901 in Azusa Street in the U.S. that went right around the world, but this was happening a couple hundred years earlier. And so, uh, eventually the group grew to about 600 people, and the, um, the lead of this group, a guy called Count Zinzendorf, that was his name, God spoke to him from the Old Testament, from the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, where it says that on the altar of sacrifice, the fire on that altar was never to go out. And so um, he knew that God was saying to him, I want, you to, I want you to start praying much more seriously. What he did is he organized uh, teams of people to pray around the clock, like 24-7. And so... Uh, people started praying in, in small groups here and there, in their homes and in other places. Uh, and it went on 24-7. And not only that, but they had a real passion to reach out to other nations and send people to, 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 to reach um, the people of other nations. As they did that, God began to just put his hand on, on people and said, now, now's the time I want you to go. You can go. And they started sending out missionaries to other countries. And what happened is... Um, around the world, that group is now over a million people and called the Moravian churches around the world. Here's the point I'm coming to this morning is that that prayer meeting that they set up that went, for, that went 24-7 around the clock, it lasted for a hundred years while they were sending those people out as missionaries. And it was an incredible thing. It, be, it became the, the foundation of what we know as the modern missions movement around the world today. Interesting thing is that community that Zinzendorf started began in 1722, which is 300 years ago this year. Um, and, and I just think it's significant that what God was doing back then, I think he's bringing back again. I think God is starting to stir up the hearts of people around the world, certainly in our country, in Australia, as I've been sharing the last few weeks, uh, to pray. And so uh, we are going to be doing that. And what I love about that, friends, is that prayer opens the windows of heaven. And when we start to pray, things begin to happen. You know, the heart of God has moved for us. And I, I really believe that God wants us to, to start to get stirred up about praying. I've been, the last few weeks I've been talking about prayer, and I think two weeks ago I, I shared that when we pray, we've got to pray depending on God 
and expecting him to answer us. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is just give you some more keys to an effective prayer life. And uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, where, the, where the Lord's Prayer is, we're not specifically going to look at the Lord's Prayer today, but uh, the other teaching about prayer that's in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, the first one, here's the first key. Number one, the first key that will uh, revolutionize your prayer life, number one, is to start to pray. Now, I know that's really obvious and really basic, but the point is, you and I know that for most things in life, the hardest thing that you have to do is what? Start. Just start actually doing it. So, I mean, we could probably just talk about this most of the morning and then just sort of wrap it up. Uh, To learn how to pray, all you've got to do is just start praying. See, prayer, friends, is not complicated. It's not difficult. It's not tricky. It's not complex. Jesus spent a lot of time praying, and he also taught his followers, his close followers, how to pray. Martin Luther said this. He said, prayer is like breathing. There's no need to overcomplicate it, make it more intense than it is. It just means talking to God. And if, oh, I, I'm not going to put your hand up, ask you to put your hand up, but most of us here are able to talk. And uh, if you can talk to someone, you can talk to God because he's close. He's not far from you right now. He's close to each one of us right now. And I want to encourage you this morning how to do that. So what it means is setting aside some time to pray. That's the start, starting part. Now, ideally, every day, set aside some time to be able to, to pray and, and talk to God. And, you know, that, that also means that you've got to deal with the distractions that might come along during that time. Um, now, now, I know that for mothers of young children, uh, I know that's, that's a bit tricky. Uh, and I, I know that, you know, you can, you can say, well, I'm going to set aside this little 10-minute block here, and 10 seconds into that, someone is screaming for some other problem or something's happening, or, you know, someone fell over and skimmed their knee or, or, or whatever. Um, I, know, I know that happens, but I want to just share with you uh, this story. The story of John Wesley's mother is very well known. Uh, John Wesley's mother, Susanna Wesley, had 11 children, and she had this big apron that she used to wear. And I, I know many of you have heard this story, but she used to get, get it and um, put the apron up over her head. And it was like a big do not disturb sign. When she, when she did that, all of her children knew, I'm praying. And if you're having a crisis, uh, it's going to be okay. I'll, I'll be available in a little while. And she would pray. And I tell you, God did amazing things through that woman. And so... Uh, You've got to be creative to be able to shut out distractions, but uh, whatever works for you. Uh, you, you. You can't systematize this too much, but praying is an important thing, and the Bible says so much about it. I want to tell you, friends, that when, when, if you want God to do something in your life, if you want God to change some of your circumstances, the number one thing, start praying. And I, I'm just thinking, actually, this this morning, thinking back about major uh, milestones and pivotal points in our lives was when we had uh, extended seasons of prayer, and I might talk about that a little bit in the coming weeks. Uh, second point, when you pray, is to pray in faith. And I, I like to ask you this morning, you know, do you believe that God is able to work on your behalf? God can do something for you. Do you, you really believe that? Because if you, if you don't believe that, it's hard to pray when you don't believe God can do something for you. Um, but that's the first the point. He has the ability. He's bigger than your problem. And He cares about you. You know, And faith 
What faith means is that I'm staking my claim on God. Um, a, a good illustration of this is when you, when you go to third world countries, and I've been a number of times overseas, and when you pray for people who've got significant you know, life-altering sicknesses, in, especially in third world countries, you see miracles flow freely in third world countries. Now, I know that um, it should not be that way. It should be exactly the same here. And, and I believe God wants it to be the same here. We've got to come to that point of understanding where we learn to deal with the distractions and the things that, you know, the, the, the unbelief that catches up with each one of us. Because I believe that, you know, when we come to that point of uh, raw trust in God or simple trust in God, we will start to see a lot more of the supernatural. And, and I, I can tell, and I've shared before a number of times, but some of the amazing healing miracles that, that I saw, um, and David, he was with me when we went to India the first time, uh, a long time ago. It was an incredible experience. Um, so I just know that that happens. Praying in faith also means you've got to learn how to rest in God. And I've got a scripture there in Hebrews. God's prom- This is about, um, the, in the Old Testament, um, the people of God and how some of them were trusting in God and some of them weren't. And the ones that weren't trusting in God or weren't believing God really missed out on what God had for them. So God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience, fail to experience what God has for you. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us, just as it was to them. It did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Only we who believe can enter His rest. There's a big connection there between faith, believing in God, and resting or trusting Him in Him, being secure in God, and knowing that when I, when I put my faith in God, my trust in Him, I can then rest in that. I've got to just chill out a bit and, and rest in God. That's so important for us to get a hold of that. So faith can, you can measure a person's faith by the extent to which they're resting in God and trusting Him to bring the answer to the situation. So the third thing, is to pray in secret. And uh, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So I don't know whether in your, at your place you've got a place where you can go where it's, it's private or it's, you know, where you can just go. I, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have that. I've got a place, a room that I can go to that, that, you know, and I've just got Bibles and books spread out all over the bed and stuff like that where I can go and pray. And it, it really makes a big difference to be able to, to do that. But what I, what I saw about this is, uh, praying, praying in secret. You know, not only is praying a good idea, but when you look at this, it actually says you get paid to pray. I just had this revelation yesterday. If you pray in, in private, your Father who sees everything will reward you. There's a reward for praying. Now, I, I just think that's incredible. Friend, you get paid to pray. Now, I, I think God is saying, you know, like the check's already in the mail. He's, do you get that? You get paid... <laughs> 
God will reward you. Okay? Now, that's not an earthly reward necessarily. It might be in eternity. Your Father who sees everything will reward you, the Bible says. So what about prayer meetings? You know, I know, we, uh, you know we've been promoting prayer meetings quite a bit here. And uh, that, that's a good thing. So, so this says, when you pray, go and pray on your own. Okay, well, what about a prayer meeting, which is like a combined, a corporate thing? Well, let me say, friends, that there is definitely a place. There's definitely a place for people to pray together. And something powerful happens when people get together and pray. Uh, that, that really does. However, it's important we keep in mind that God is initially and principally interested in what's happening inside your heart. And if you, if you want to grow as a believer in God, you'll never see a greater external manifestation of God or what's happening on the outside of your life is never going to be more significant or powerful or effective than what's happening on the inside. Because God wants to get on the inside and start to affect your life first, just you and Him. So I'm saying to you this morning, friends, let God come on the inside let him move on the inside of your life first, just you and him, and then you'll start to see it filter out and affecting the outer part of your life. I'm talking about your circumstances, your physical health, finances, relationships, you know, future, your career, everything about your world on the external starts with God doing something on the inside of your life. The fourth thing, I've got seven of these little keys. The fourth one is pray simply. Okay, so... This is continuing on, Matthew 7, Matthew 6, 7 and 8. Okay, so when you pray, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, or those outside. In, in that context, it was those outside of the kingdom of God. But for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Like this, and he goes on to, that's the Lord's Prayer, where it comes in right there. With a God like this loving you, you can pray really simply. So I've been saying that, I know, over the last few weeks. Prayer is really simple. It, it's not, not complicated. You don't have to recite some great lengthy thing. Though writing prayers out is not a bad idea. I think that's a good idea sometimes. But um, you can just, just reach out to God and talk to Him like you talk to any other person. Here's the question. If God knows what I need already, God already knows what you need before you even pray, do I then need to give him all the details? It's a fair question. You know, and, and can I say, the answer to the question is yes and no. Because there, sometimes there's, there's room for that. There, there's a time for that. Uh, but I think most times he's up there saying, will you just trust me and let me sort it out for you? Have a think about this. What about the guy who's praying for a wife. Now, you, you've probably heard or you, you may have heard these stories before. Maybe it's a guy who's praying for a wife or maybe it's a, you know, a woman who's praying for a husband. I don't know. And there's a whole list of criteria, you know, little boxes to tick. You ever seen this before or thought of this before? You know, so there's boxes. And so eventually the right Mr. or Mrs. Wright comes along and they, the person looks at it and say, wow, they ticked all the boxes. You know, that's in, or maybe most of the boxes. So that's incredible. You know, th that's a real thing. I, I'm not criticizing that. Uh, and, and that can be, if that's where you're at, maybe that's fantastic. That's a wonderful thing. But here's, here's the question that sort of follows on for that. Um, 
If God knows what you need already before you even pray, at what point do you trust Him to know that He knows your need better than you do? You know, because we, we've got to, God is about bringing us into a, a greater level of trust. And besides all of that, not everything that we pray for is about just God giving us stuff. You know, what, what about those prayers that are, uh, you know, God, oh, I need to get closer to you. Or, you know, God, would you change something in my heart? There are, there's a lot of prayers that you can pray that, that don't have a concrete answer. You see what I'm saying? Some, some of the things that you would ask God for, it's just about between a relationship between you and Him. Think about this as a parent. You know, if you're a, if you're a parent and you're, the, the whole conversation you have with your child is, um, oh, I need this, I need that, can I have one of those? You know, if, if, that was the, if that was the sum total of the conversation, it would get a little bit, what, monotonous after a while. So what about the child saying, you know, I just want to hang out with you for a bit. You know, can we, can we go and do something? Can we just hang out together? Things like that. There's a lot of prayers you can pray that don't have a concrete answer. And so pray simply before God. Fifthly, pray in the Holy Spirit. If we can put it up there on the screen. And it says, in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. And some translations say, or even how to pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, or the Holy Spirit pleads for us, believers in harmony with God's own will. And this is what praying in those supernatural languages is all about. You know, praying in tongues, the Bible talks about. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, you know, I will, I will pray in, you know, in the language that, that we all know, and I will pray in a supernatural language. I'll pray in tongues, and I'll pray with understanding. So, you know, when you, when you come together to pray, you don't have to always just be talking to God, like using your mind, your intellect. You can just start, if, you, if you've received that, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you receive that supernatural ability to, to speak in another language or languages, just, just get before God and start doing that. And, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit who knows exactly what the will of God is, is praying through you according to the will of God. Now that's, that's really powerful. Um, it's not really the theme of our message this morning, but uh, there's a number of scriptures which say what's actually happening when you do that. Like, like one verse says that, that when, you, when you speak in those supernatural languages, that the Holy Spirit is, is unfolding the, the, the amazing mysteries of God, it says. So God is, God is speaking through you, the Holy Spirit speaking through you, you know, God's purpose for your life. That, that's at another level. And what, what I find actually praying... Uh, um, I usually start off that way. You know, start off and, you know, you might pray for, you know, 10 minutes or as long as it takes just in tongues or in, in that supernatural language and then start praying in English because it's like you, once you've been doing that for a while, then you, then you get a sense of where to go, where, where to pray. That's, that's what I like to do when I'm, when I'm praying. So, um, you know, someone asked, you asked the question, why is, why is it so hard to pray? Why is prayer so difficult? Um, pr- prayer um, seems to be difficult sometimes 
because we haven't got a hold of the fact yet that it's actually, it's actually an unnatural thing in this sense. It's an assault on human autonomy. Pr- when we pray, what I'm, when I'm praying to God, I'm submitting myself to God and I'm acknowledging that I'm not the ruler of my own life. I'm, I'm committing myself into His hands. I'm coming under His rulership and authority. It's an assault on human autonomy, on me being the ruler of my own life. And so that's one of the challenges, one of the things we've got to get past so that we're willing to surrender our lives fully to God. Number six, persistence in prayer. Sometimes you've got to be persistent and you've got to keep going. Now, this is important because um, there's a case or there's, there's sometimes when you've just got to ask God for something and you know, as soon as you do, you, you know you've got the answer right there. It's like, it's, it's in your heart right there. So what do you do? You start thanking Him for the answer, and you just, you, you're ready to receive that answer. So that's, that's a wonderful thing, uh, being willing, being able to do that. Just believe Him, keep thanking Him for the answer, and receive it. And there's other times when you've got to just keep on persisting in asking God for the thing. There's a, there's a time for this. That's what this passage is about. And there's several parts of the Bible which talk about this. Uh, one is in Luke 12 that I also mentioned a couple of weeks ago, where Peter is in prison. And uh, it says that uh, he, was, he was taken into prison, and uh, they all knew that the next day he was going to lose his head. Um, so um, it says that the church came together and prayed continually for him. It wasn't just a one-off prayer. It was continually, it says prayed for him and an amazing miracle happened and he was released from that prison Uh, this other verse in Luke chapter um, 11 so sorry yes Luke 11 then teaching them more about prayer Jesus used this story suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and, and you say to him a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I've got nothing to give him. So, um, you know, can you help me? So and suppose uh, he calls out that, you know, your friend calls out and says, look, um, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep on knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Okay, so what that's saying is sometimes you've just got to hassle God for something. You've got to keep annoying Him. He doesn't mind me saying this. Actually, He's saying, I don't mind being annoyed. And the next little part, if we just go to it, it says, So I tell you, keep on asking. And if you read this in the original language, uh, it actually, that word to ask, it's, it's like a, a, a tense in the language. It's a, a continuous tense, which means you keep on doing it. Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks, receives, seeks, finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So there's sometimes you've just got to keep on knocking on the door, and eventually the door will open. What's happening there? Is it because God is playing hard to get? Is it because He doesn't really want to do it for you? Is it because, you know, He's saying, I'm just going to let you just wait and, you know, just to make sure you understand who's in charge? No, 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 no. What's happening is God is doing something in your heart and in my heart during those times. 
God is wanting us to understand that there's a level of faith that goes beyond, you know, mere simplistic slogans that we use sometimes. He's wanting to do something deeper in your life uh, and, to, and to bring into your heart a level of faith that is grounded in the nature of God and who He is, not just what He does for you. Because, friends, it's very easy to be superficial in our Christian life and find that, you know, well, God did this for me. He did that for me. You know, He met my need over here. So isn't that wonderful? Well, it is. But he wants you to go way beyond that where you know the character of God and you know what he's really wanting to do in your life personally on the inside. That's why, you know, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says the kind of faith that God is really looking for is a faith that is tested in the fire and comes out as, a, as something that's been tested. That's where he's really leading us to. Friend, it's much more than just him doing the things you want for him and meeting your needs. That's where he's leading you and I to. That's what he really wants for us to grow into that area. The last point, number seven, is about forgiveness in prayer. And in uh, Mark eleven twenty four, it talks about this. It says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. That's a fantastic faith scripture that basically says, if, you, if you're asking something from God and you know it's the right thing and, and you've got faith and you really, you've got a, a faith that's grounded in the character and the knowledge of God and you believe what you're asking for, it will be yours. You have it right now. But, when, but then he says there's a qualification. When you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And this is something that we've all got to understand. You know, friends, God has got a vested interest in us here getting along with each other. It's so true. It's so true. Because uh, He knows that when we do, that's where blessing really flows. That's where the blessing of God. You read in the Old Testament, you know, it says in Psalm 133, that when brothers, but it means people, brothers and sisters get together, in, in real unity, that's where the blessed, the anointing of God flows down. That's where the anointing of God begins to flow down upon the people of God. And miracles start happening. And things, amazing things start to happen. And that's what I'm looking for. That's what, I know you're looking for that too. So there's a whole thing there about uh, learning how to uh, relate together. And uh, as it says, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. Um, so as we just come to a close, I, I want us to to pray this morning. Can we just close our eyes for a moment and I'll ask our creative team to come back uh, to the stage for a few moments. Let's pray. Let's pray.